2: Get a gun. Hello and welcome to Slamfire Radio, episode 248.
0: 248. 248, yeah, 248
2: same two, thing. Two, 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 2.48. 2. No. For March 15th, 2018. Two, four, I'm six, one eight. of your hosts, Brian
1: Bolivar. I'm Trevor. And I'm for Adriel. Sorry. He said Bolivar, I was slowing the furlot. to cut you off, Adriel. Go ahead. I'm Adriel for a lot.
2: No, and we're no. just gonna roll with that mess <laughs> just, just, yeah because the the, the the listeners need to know how we're keeping it real yeah
1: Adrian so gonna... you went you went last there Adriel, did you want to huh? read that little um the little added? oh yeah. yeah
0: yeah so like we we have we haven't been doing the live video thing the longest of, of all the other podcasts out there but we do have the most views so uh yeah I think it's so... important to uh to note well yeah I mean it,
1: we're not claiming to be the number
0: one Live pro gun
1: podcast in Canada, but we are claiming to be the one with the most views. Yes, yeah, because cool. numbers numbers don't matter.
2: Well, no, no well, Andrea, they do I, when it's views, right? Yes, not I, when it's feelings. Yes, <laughs> I watched one yesterday that I can't understand that you uh-huh. sent a link to, but I don't even know what it's called, so I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I just it can't. <laughs> Let's, uh, there, let's just say there's no literally no tinfoil hats on any of the hosts.
1: Oh, yeah. What was that train wreck? That was a trash. <laughs> you
2: know what? Go, honestly, I, I'm not going to slam them because I did not listen to them enough to to say whether or not they had good content or not. I just, I, I'm i not it, saying nothing. No I, I
1: was on there once when I was at Adriel's place, and I've watched a couple times, and it's just good old-fashioned shenanigans. But the tinfoil hat, shaw- Hawaiian shirt, and uh, chess hair. <laughs> is- <laughs> I just think eventually there's a line when you do these things. <laughs> no, the I line think was here. here, and it's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, we're going past hey, it. Adriel, hey, do you want to tell people what we're talking about? Because this
0: must be annoying.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: okay, so for the Canada Guns um, chat show, basically it's one of these hangouts. It's only hangout, not a not a podcast. It's based off of uh, guys from Reddit, and uh, <laughs> we we had a show yesterday about the. Uh, Conspiracy theories that are going around about uh, what the next uh, upcoming federal legislation is going to be, mm. and so for that show we had tinfoil hats on, and the Hawaiian shirts were just like a fun addition because it was hot. Tinfoil <laughs> hats are hot. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Now I, you know the backstory. Yeah. Now yeah. you know the rest of the story. All I learned from that is tin is um, Hawaiian shirts are hot. That's. Really, well, you yeah. know what we're going to do with it. Now, when, when if anything, anything comes out, even nothing, we have that in the video. We're going to cut that out, and we're going to say, I told you so. And we'll <laughs> pull out the part of the video where we predicted it. <laughs> you do that.
2: <laughs> fabulous. Uh, Absolutely yeah. fabulous. Okay, so we should talk about what we've done in guns. And that is brought to you by the Calgary Shooting Center, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Hey, Vortex is here. They have a web store in progress and there will be a very exciting news. There will be a promo code for the Calgary shooting center for slam fire radio patriones only. So do yes. we give that out now? No, it's not <laughs> how it works. It's not how any of this works. This is in the Patreon
1: episode. The Patreon episode will be on right after this one. Well, it won't be live, but we will be recording the Patreon episode right after this one with a very, very special guest. And um during that show, we will reveal the Patreon only promo code. Cool.
2: So, so if people put in the promo code Trevor sucks they pay extra? Is that how that works at the Calgary Shooting Center?
1: And I show up at your house.
2: <laughs> Ooh. And, and I'm it, wearing It, the it adds an
1: SKS to your cart. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you put in hashtag cover socks, it adds an SKS to your cart. It's
0: not free. You still have
1: to pay for it, but it yeah, adds it to your cart. It's, it's like an Easter egg kind of thing. It's a hack. <laughs>
2: oh. Ouch. Okay. All right. What, um, what's
1: the promo code that gets you a in 1911 in your, uh, in your sack? Cart. Hmm.
2: Sorry no <laughs> ouch right. okay i'm gonna get going with what i've done in guns is that okay Come yeah on, carry on You're all host. right good <laughs> okay so um i uh was up at Epps a couple weeks ago and i remembered i needed some nine mil um loaded so i got some nine mil projectiles and so i'm like oh i should really switch the dylan over to load those nine mil oh wait that takes five minutes i don't want to do that a whole lot so i better quickly prime 1200 pieces of five five six first before i switch that over so i don't have to keep switching back and forth because hey five minutes um and then i got all set up to load the nine mil and i realized that i picked up uh, hollow point bullets instead of round nose by mistake so that kind of set me back a few days until i could get back up to apps uh, earlier this week and if you're going to take a trip and plan on getting gas on the way and you have very little gas in your car you should take your wallet because it causes a lot of stress if you're trying to get home and your google says you have like 48 kilometers to your destination and your car says you have 50 kilometers in the tank that was that was really
0: exciting unnecessary stress two kilometers is a long is a long distance you're good to go uh, yeah well house when you got there
2: yeah no anyway i made it i survived because being on the side of the road with my uh, car and no gas would would kind of blow anyway um and that was all precipitated because i'd been doing some uh shooting with my 1022 doing some load testing and trying to get ammo to see what works in it really really well uh federal gold medal match shoots good federal ultra match not so good and that's why anyway i ended up having to make multiple trips to stores to get stuff so that i would have ammunition for the uh canadian rimfire precision series match that i went to on saturday yeah that was it was your saturday so so. yeah 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 i think i think we had a show with that i (laughs) wasn't there but yeah so that was pretty cool um that's my first prs event uh of any type um i like it i like it a lot it's um but man uh hitting targets at 250 yards for the rimfire mm, wind is a factor you really have to learn how to read wind and i don't do that very well yet so um that was but it was a good event we had about 10 people out this was their inaugural event to test things out and uh they're going to make some adjustments um i think maybe their target sizes were a little optimistic in terms of how small they were and how far away they were so we'll see um they have good what's that Just gotta get good well yeah but when um like the entire group of 10 guys uh, zero stage maybe the stage is not optimal so anyway it, it was a learning experience it's a challenging right? stage oh it was it was a really challenging but you know it is it is a lot of fun i uh, i liked it a lot more than i anticipated um and i like the fact that it's rimfire because it's relatively cheap because the last thing i need is yet another expensive shooting hobby i'm gonna stay away from that um so um and uh, there was a couple guys that uh, were there who are pretty experienced PRS uh, competitors um, guys. We've had, you guys have had on the show uh, before uh, Ryan and uh, I don't know if you've had Ken Thiessen on when you were talking about PRS before Adriel. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway. So doesn't couple, bring any bills. No, but anyway, um, and they were all using uh, a, an ammo that I've never heard of called Ely force. Um, and it's a 1200 feet per second, uh, projectile 42 grains that seems to buck the wind pretty well so i've got some of that to test later to see if my rifle actually likes it the beauty of rimfire is you just never know what exactly your barrel is gonna like some you know
0: any two rifles will just not like this grab a handful of it and put it in your pocket and go shoot the stage mix it mix it yeah. grab a little bit of everything and eventually one of the rounds is going to be good maybe if you guys would have tried that on the long range one you guys would have hit the targets a little mm. bit of variability, right? Would it help? Yeah, um, yeah. Mm. yeah. I
2: had other issues like with remembering that I was supposed to be holding off at distance as opposed to putting the target in the center of the reticle. That really didn't work at all. That was that was a bit of an oops, but yeah, whatever. We were um, we were shooting at that was a full size IPSC plate target at uh, two sixty two two sixty seven yard yards. What was really neat is they had a flasher set up on it, so a flasher. Uh, yeah, basically, it's it like had a somebody, vib- whoo, Look at me! No, that oh. would have also Did been I? really. <laughs> <laughs> that every that time you hit it, it,
1: every time you hit it, a trench goes opens up, and somebody wiggles.
2: <laughs> um, with with the way the rounds were being blown around with the wind, I wouldn't have felt safe having somebody downrange flashing us as we hit the target. No, it was, um, the steel plate was set up with a uh, vibration sensor and. Anytime the plate vibrated, there a light would come on and you'd see it in your scope or the guys would see it. So I, th- I thought
0: that was pretty cool. Nice so little... Was it one of the uh, rubber LED ones that kind of peeks out over the top of the the target like that? No, no, no? it
2: was off off to the side somewhere oh, where up. theoretically we couldn't hit it. Yeah,
0: yeah I was going to say no. off where you're not supposed to hit it. Yeah, so
2: that was kind of cool. Um, overall, the event had like eight stages. Um, we had, like I said, we had 10 competitors come out. We were shooting prone, we shot standing at 100 yards. Shot off a barrel in a couple different positions. Sh- shot off a fence rail, barricade. It was, it was neat. Uh, I really, really liked it. I'm uh, I'm interested to get back and try another event once I get some more ammo testing done. And uh, I'm sure that I'll end up buying another optic that'll be a little better suited for that. Because no matter what I get into, it costs me a little bit of money. That's just how that how that works.
0: Yeah, um, I like the, um, the Czech Hedgehog uh, that they had. That three... That yeah. three tripod kind of wood thing there. Yep. Uh, I want to make one of those for three gun. That looks like a versatile uh, uh, barrier. Yes. Yeah. No. It's great. You can do lot. Yeah. You can do lots of stuff with that. Um.
2: You could in e- easily add on to it to have like little rods sticking out for different shooting positions and that kind of stuff. So no, I th- yeah. I think it'd be cool. Um. Of course, I've also ran into the problem with the Ora is now going to be running. PRS type events at Borden um, and they'll be suitable for gas guns So technically I can use my air I don't need a fancy precision bolt gun I've got my fancy air so uh,
0: again money oh well it will be fun
2: uh I think that was
0: about it for me have you taken a look at the, uh, just, you were mentioning optics there. Jerry was recommending the Citron. They yes. had a Citron scope there, a uh, four to 12. That would still be under the $500 limit for production. Yes. Is that what you're going for? Is production. No, you going
2: I've, I've, I'm just giving up on production because my rifle is already open class just based on, um, the fact that it's got a, uh, it's in a different stock and it's got a bulk quartz and hammer. So if I was going to go production, it would actually cost me more money because I have to buy a rifle. That's yeah. production. Um, and honestly, I just I don't want to be limited by that five hundred dollar budget. I'd rather get the optic I want. Not it's your budget
1: that limits you, man.
2: Oh no, no, it is. It it really is. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm gonna think about that and later I will have words for you that are rude and not able to be said on the podcast. Sweet. How's that? I look All forward right. to them. Cool. well, yeah, no, no doubt. All righty. Trevor what have you done guns
1: um okay so I missed last week because uh, I was working last week was March break here in New Brunswick so the schools were closed and instead of me resting I went to work at the gunsmiths uh, every day except for Wednesday um, and continued some projects started some new projects um, the like I've been there long enough now that it, like I, I see how the cycle works right the guns come in we grab a couple three or four at a time depending on what they need and we disassemble them start refinishing the woods start refinishing the metal and then prepare them for bluing and then blue them then reassemble them then the cycle starts all over again it's actually quite mundane and i like it <laughs> and uh, of course um you know, you take the gun apart and it's supposed to just be a refinishing job, but you find this is broken or that's missing, or the pins are actually made out of cut up finishing nails that hold things together. It's always interesting to take something apart and like nothing was going tickety boo, like it was supposed to. And then a tan foglio came in that needed to be refinished. And I was all over that one. I I wanted to do that one. I was doing everything by hand with the sanding and stuff. And that one, everything was working the way it was supposed to. And then, when it came time to reassemble it, I was like, Oh, well we could have blued the front sight. That would have been a nice touch. We could have blued the hammer. That would have been a nice touch. Oh, would you look at that? There's a patch on the side of the frame that the bluing didn't take for some reason. I figure the degreasing didn't get a spot off of the frame. And so the bluing didn't take. So the whole thing, the whole frame needs to go back into the tank. So great. Now, uh, I get to do the hammer and the front sight and stuff, and so it's kind of a blessing in disguise, really, when something like that happens. When you notice that there's some stuff that you probably should have done, but kind of got missed. Um, double barrel. Wait, wait a
2: minute. You say blessing disguise. Are you getting paid to fix that mistake? Then,
1: yeah, I guess. Okay.
2: So, <laughs> so, so is it really a blessing for your employer at this point that you're spending more time on the job that he's not getting paid extra for? Uh, shut up I'm sorry, I'm an employer so I think this way, alright yes, you should, You yeah. should.
1: and I know yeah. Denis does and um, there were things that were happening on one of the jobs I was working on that wasn't my fault but there were still things that made the jobs go on and on and on, the Rossi and the Cooey were a nightmare the kui came through the door in a, in a bag of parts Mistake number one, we should have, um, well, we, I was told to inspect the rifle and I did, but I didn't lack of experience. I didn't inspect it thoroughly enough. Like essentially I should have tried to reassemble it and see if it functioned and see if there are any parts missing and then go from there, call the guy and go, your bolt doesn't fit into your receiver. By the way, do you want us to fix that? Because it's going to cost an extra whatever. You know, we didn't find out until halfway through the project that the bolt didn't fit in the receiver. Um, cooey steel, not the strongest steel in the world. And uh, we think that when the gun was disassembled, the bolt or the receiver was put in a vice. And um, it looked bad because I put it in the vice and just sat it in the vice and looked at Denis and said, Can I tighten the vice on this? Probably not. Eh? He's like, No, absolutely not. And then next thing you know, the bolt doesn't fit, but I didn't actually tighten the vice on it. So it wasn't me, but it looked bad. And then, um, screw up with the, uh, polishing wheels, ordered some new polishing wheels. And, uh, it was a little too aggressive on the barrel and then had to switch to doing everything by hand, which made which made an incredibly nice job when it was done. But nobody pays to have a Kui 600 finished by hand. You know what I mean? They didn't come from the factory as nice as this thing is now. Um, so anyway, yeah, the steel is all perfect. But the stock, we didn't redo the stock. You didn't want the stock redone. Somebody else had redid the stock. And it's not exactly you know up to par, let's say. Um And then the last thing I was working on just the other day was a Mossberg bolt action 410 shotgun with an adjustable choke on the muzzle. And that one thankfully came in complete and everything is there and nothing is missing. And it's going to be a quick and easy, um, quick and easy job. That one I'm actually going to do by hand because the markings on the barrel are very faint. And if we polish the barrel on the polishing wheel, it'll be too aggressive. So, That one will get put in the vise and uh, be completely polished by hand until all the pitting is gone. And uh, we'll bring it to a 400-grit sandpaper with oil, wet sand, and then blew that. Uh, Bought a gun. Uh, Christine and I went there on Saturday morning to uh, where I was going to pick something up and um, when I was there, I mentioned in passing, I forget what we were talking about, and I was, said, I need a Tokarev to go with my Russian collection, and he's like, I have a Tokarev. What? Get out of here. So he brings up this Tokarev, and the holster is right here, so let me switch over to the camera here. So this is the original holster from 1945. It has the cleaning rod still in the front. Unfortunately, there's a small tear down here that Little flap of leather there that holds the tip of the cleaning rod. Um, so yeah, original holster. The gun is all matching numbers. It's not a refurb, and it has four magazines. And one of the magazines actually is marked the same numbers. It's it's matching to the gun. And uh, he gave me that for a smoking deal. Well, smoking deal, I guess he gave it to me for what they're going for. Um, but I mean, he just took it off my hours, so I took March break off, worked all week for a Tokarev, almost. So anyway, um, what else I've been up to now? <laughs> um, oh, we found a slide to replace the slide. We took off the Narinko I bought to replace the slide on Adriel's Narinko that Andy <laughs> broke. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, let's whatever. be clear
2: on that. It let's was be clear and- on
1: that. Andy <laughs> broke the slide, not me. So to get a replacement slide for Adriel, the fastest thing to do is just buy a whole new gun. So now i got a stainless Narenko NP-29 that's missing a slide. Everything else is is there, just missing a slide. So that Saturday morning when I'm at the shop, I was curious. I said, uh, did he grab Remy's Colt? So Remy's got a Colt 9mm 1911 there. So I tried it with his barrel, his guide rod, his spring, his complete upper, and it didn't want to cycle. Something wasn't jiving. I stripped the barrel and guide rod out of his upper. I put the Narenko guide rod in it with the Narenko recoil spring and the Narenko barrel and the Narinco, um barrel bushing. And it fit like a glove and the tolerances were really good. So I thought, okay, well, this is the answer. Let's, let's just buy a, a Colt 1911, nine millimeter upper for this um, Narenko 1911. Uh, let's, you know, get this gun finished, sell it, keep it, whatever. So we start looking online, and what we actually come up with is a Caspian. So uh, you guys have probably heard the name Caspian before. Caspian is a big, big name in the 1911 world. They make a lot of really nice guns, a lot of open guns. They've been around a long time, and they had slides with the BOMAR rear sight cut. And that's important because this rear sight here, this is a Novak. It's made by Dawson, but this is a Novak style, Novak cut. Now, this dovetail is desirable when working on a project because it's a straight dovetail. There's nothing fancy about it. The boomer has two cuts in the slide at different depths and another one on the side, a half moon, half circle type cut, relief cut for the windage screw. So the BOMAR cut is is a, a lot more detailed and a lot more work because you have to set up your milling machine a couple of different ways to do those cuts. With the Novak cut, you set it once and you cut it and you move on. <laughs> so the fact that the Caspian slide has the BOMAR cut is really cool. And why it's important is turns out that that gun was built for the Classic Division in IPSC and Classic guns have to fit inside the IPSC box, which is a box that is built to a specific tolerance and specification, and your gun either fits inside it or it doesn't. And the standard guns and the classic guns need to fit inside that box. That gun won't fit inside the box with that rear sight. That rear sight is too high. So that gun cannot be used in classic division. Bummer. So now the plan is to get this Caspian slide, put it on the gun I bought to replace Adriel's slide, take all the gold fast parts of that one, put it in the new stainless gun, sell that one. With you know full disclosure, it's not uh, Ipsic legal. Do what you want with it, uh, shoot it in standard minor, whatever. But it's not classic Ipsic classic legal. But not all guns sold are used for Ipsic, so I'm sure nope. you know. And I'm still going to sell it. I, I mean, I'm going to give it away basically. I'm going to put all the Narinko parts back on it, and uh, so it'll be a Narinko pistol with a Dawson front sight and a Dawson rear <coughs> sight. So it's still. Uh, a step ahead, but I'm still going to let it go for like 350. So So um, what else I got on the go? Uh, I've been working on um, some ipsic New Brunswick stuff on the training coordinator for ipsic New Brunswick. So I work with the black badge program and I work with the uh, national range officer Institute programs, the uh, RO programs, hopefully fingers crossed. Actually, no, I'm not going to say that uh, on the show. I'll tell you guys about it later. I might have something really cool coming up. But in the meantime, I'm working on uh, correcting range officer exams from previous classes that I taught and um, planning another RO course for the end of the month in St. John. So that one's going to be awesome. And then I did some reloading this week because Muffin and I are going to a level two indoor shoot on Sunday in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. Um, I'm getting my blood lead level rechecked for the first time since December. So the testing happened in December. The doctor told me to stop doing everything. So I went in and requested to have the my blood checked again. And the test is next week, the 20th of March. So ugh, I really shouldn't go to this shoot because I've done nothing. I shot some, I tried to make that Matador Arms video in December. And that's all the shooting I've done. And I reloaded once for half an hour the other day. And of course I washed my hands while I was as soon as I was done. So what I want to do is I want to see if my lead level has gone down and if it has not gone down after taking all that time off from shooting and reloading, I need to figure out where the contamination is coming from. But since I'm going to an indoor match on Sunday, that's going to throw that out the window. Um, Hopefully it'll still be down. Even if it's not down, one indoor match shouldn't bring it up unless like, these tests are really sensitive and we're getting more exposure than we think we are. So
2: just wear a dust mask or something. Um,
1: yeah, I've seen I guys mean, at indoor matches wearing them and they look lame, but well, I, know. Okay. So I, I know it's not about looks. I know just
2: once. I mean,
1: yeah. And it's well, what I try and do is try and leave the range and stand out in the waiting room as much as I can when I'm not shooting or patching. Or just so.
2: hold your breath during when you're shooting. <laughs> <laughs> do that. That's yeah, way better. I'll do that.
1: When I pass out, and I'll be on the ground and all that dust. Just
2: to make sure you unload and show clear before you pass
0: out. <laughs> <Yeah>. Hey, <laughs> if, drop Burns, gun either.
1: if Burns can move a school bus with his skull and maintain <laughs> his composure long enough to get the gun unloaded and holstered, then I should be able to pass out without dropping my gun. Fair enough. Yeah. And they took his hat off and it just cools the blood. It was amazing. 27 staples. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So, Adriel, how's it about you?
0: Cool. Uh, let's see here. I've been getting stuff ready for three gun for this year. Uh, so one of them and Trevor, you might be running across this with your uh, uh, setup for ipsic and you get all these practice score tablets and timers and all this other kind of stuff. You have a lot of uh, chargers that need to uh, need to be used unless you get everything to run off USB. And you buy one of these big bad boys. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I like everything that. charges off of one of these guys. We've got the uh, CD7000s. Send, send me a link to where you got that because
1: what I have going on right now is I have power bars zip tied together with
0: all the chargers plugged into that. Yes, that noise. So we're using Amazon Fire tablets, USB. We're using CD7000 timers, USB. Boom. Charge them all at once. I need that. Yep. And that's DC. Within the and
1: it's got an inverter built in, kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's AC to the wall and then it's uh, basically 12 amps. So it'll do a crap ton of charging. It'll charge everything. <laughs> um, yeah. Got that. Uh, patches came in. They're looking good. Kind of like a tan thing. We do like a different color every year. Did like black in 2017 and like a green one before then. So we got, got those in. Uh, let's see here. I'm making a new light panel for my gun videos. So uh, my gun videos, I have been using uh, these quite large CFL bulbs uh, for 135 watt units, which also produces a lot of heat. <laughs> it makes it a little hot in my tiny little office here. So I'm working on an LED panel. I started with the size I wanted, which I wanted something that was about a meter by 30 centimeters. So like one foot by three feet kind of a thing, three feet wide. And uh, I'm using these uh, ribbon style LEDs. Um, I didn't really work out the numbers until I'd already bought everything, but it's, it's 400 Watts of led power. Like your like room lights are like five Watts, six Watts, maybe for one of those LEDs. So this is going to be really powerful and, uh, actually ran some calculations on it. And if I keep it at about one meter uh, away from the, from me when I'm shooting my video, uh, it should be like the, the, the power of sunlight, um, from this panel so it'll be bright (laughs) (laughs) i mean the power of sunlight yeah it won't be Uh, like i don't think about half the power of like a noon sun like right above so it's not that much power but uh like a cloudy day or like when it's a little bit more of an inclination yeah so so if
2: i look west and see a mushroom cloud (laughs) we know that you're shooting (laughs) a gun i just don't
0: harness the power of the sun I do all my I do all my video shooting at night. So I got kids. Like like I can't I can't be doing this stuff while they're up. So I do all my shooting. You can. At night. Well, I can. Yeah, I have to involve them and do a whole bunch of cuts. Exactly. Oh, sorry, someone's knocking at the door again. Oh, someone wants to you know try their hand at the camera and they're. Dad, they dad, very dad, good job. dad, 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 dad. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I got. Yeah, a chest rig for SKS bullets. Sure so this will fit a whole crap ton of <laughs> stripper clips. Each of these uh, pocket uh, pockets will take uh two stripper clips, I think two worth in there. So uh, I don't know. They're cheap. That's surplus. It smells like surplus. My room smells like surplus now because it's got more My room old stuff. Smells like surplus. <laughs> yeah. And it's the yeah. room. It's not him it's yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. yeah yeah no now it's through yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and then i uh i got these gopro hat clips in so these fit on uh uh fit on your hat and they got like a clamp there you could either have them like kind of close in and still facing that way or you can kind of face them out so i'm sure that won't move while you're running uh no it's pretty stable it's just like the the gopro itself is heavy here let me but see. have That's you seen what the tachyons like.
1: Tachyon mount, you, you, you drill a hole through the peak of your hat and you actually screw it in plates with a nut <laughs> and a bolt. No, no, it's all wow. very small, all very light, and it sits on the peak of your hat. And the tachyon camera is very small, lightweight, and the whole thing's like 80 bucks and
0: nothing moves. And... Oh, this is cheaper than that. This has got some like serious teeth going on here. Let me show you guys. Is there any problem with your hat staying on, though? Yeah, that's a lot of weight to be balanced off the
2: front of your face, man. Yeah. And you You look that. ridiculous. Eddie. You look ridiculous, you was waiting for an excuse to put the tinfoil hat on
0: you got it. you got it definitely <laughs> oh, God. at least uh, he, yeah,
2: at least he's now wearing an open Hawaiian shirt.
1: This is what he wears when he goes out uFO watching. you know it right he's got the uh, he's got the uh, GoPro on the peak of the tinfoil hats.
0: With yeah. all his other ufology Adriel. buddies, I just yep. had a
2: brilliant idea. You could go pro yourself, podcasting, and then upload that. Oh, I could! Wow, it would be
0: very easy. You could see I mean, people could I see what you office. see
2: when you're podcasting.
0: Not everything yeah. easy is worth doing, Adrian. <laughs> right, right now they'd see a cat over time. I hate them. that cat. I <laughs> Hate that cat so much.
2: <laughs> I I actually kind of like the cat for the first time. Uh, that was clever.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's that's it for me. I'm gonna take this hat off. It's all right, funny. cool.
2: Um, Kelly. Oh, wait, Kelly didn't show. Kelly hates the
1: listeners and uh, is not here.
2: She was at the um, she was at the event on the weekend.
1: Uh-huh. She was. Did she, did she shoot?
2: She shot a camera. Lame. Well, and apparently there was technical difficulties. I didn't even ask whose te- technical difficulties they oh. were. But she's not here to defend herself, so
1: So you need to tell the story with all the bias you can. So Kelly, so if I'm understanding you correctly correctly, Kelly can't work a camera.
2: I I didn't say that. Those were not words that came out of my mouth.
1: Okay, it's time for direct questions. Was <laughs> Kelly there? Yes. Did Kelly have a camera? Yes. Did she successfully operate the camera? Possibly. Which implies she also possibly did not successfully operate the
2: camera. You could infer that from my, <laughs> from my response. <laughs> that would that would be fair, counselor. Yes. Objection uh, <laughs> <yeah>. sustained.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, did, Car- did Kelly achieve her camera
2: goals? I, assuming that her goals were to have recorded video, or recorded video and/or pictures. I'm guessing not. Now, if her goal is simply <laughs> to press the button and...
1: If her goal is to stand around and look pretty with a camera, mission accomplished.
2: I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, we're going to pay for this?
1: <laughs> yeah. She shouldn't have left us alone. This is what happens.
2: Well, perhaps she shouldn't have said anything about you on the last show.
1: You oh, that's saying? right. I suck. That's first, first, I don't pay my bills, and then I suck.
2: Literally, that's what mm. she said. I know. Man. Uh, yeah all right cooler so um all right should we get on to upcoming events yeah so first one we have is got your six registration is open and the website is up that's the charity shoot out uh with you there adriel you threw that in i assume you know what's going on with that huh which one what are we talking about now got your six six, charity shoot yeah Yeah.
0: attention yeah Yeah. the website's up It's updated good to go
2: awesome Hey, there's a charity shoot coming up uh, in July. Yes. Should we keep talking about it? Is this still happening? Yeah,
1: it's definitely still happening, and there's a couple of things. One, if you are unable to attend but would like to donate money, please do so by sending an EMT to slamfireradio at gmail.com and include in the comments what this is for because we take Patreon money, we take uh, Frelacci course money. So, you know, if you send the registration amount for a Flachi class we might sign you up for that <laughs> instead of putting it into the charity event money so um by all means let's uh, let the donations roll in it's time we're open and willing to start accepting donations for the charity if you are unable to attend once again that charity is the dalhousie regional high school breakfast program so help feed some needy children um, so that they can. Get edumacated with a full belly.
2: Um, this, can we can we just clarify that it's just the kids? Faculty does not get to eat. Faculty the breakfast. does not get to eat the <laughs> breakfast. No. So no, I don't. I don't want people to be donating money to your breakfast fund.
1: Fair, fair. <laughs> I understand. I understand, and that's <laughs> and that's a fair concern given my uh, you know love affair with food. I've had,
2: I've I've had breakfast with you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: seen the damage that could occur at oh, the yeah. breakfast buffet yeah, for sure. Um, the only other thing is uh, the Maple Seed shoot is uh, one step closer to registration. Again, that pre-registration is required and that pre-registration is done directly through the fine folks at Maple Seed. Um, I was sent the uh, some paperwork uh, range rental agreement, if you will, that I had to run by my club. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, waiting for a club meeting to occur. And I, I send an email saying, hey, can you guys get this on the agenda so that we can discuss it at the meeting and vote on it and sign it? And Muffin just replies, no, man, you go, you go ahead and sign it. It's cool. <laughs> it's two months now I could have had this done. Thank you. <laughs> well, so cool anyway, to let do that. Oh, yeah. That's well, uh, not having to wait for the meeting. Well, Muffin's the president, but well, yeah, I'm the vice president. So sometimes I guess, you know,
2: um, and it's maple seed. It's a pretty easy. Yes.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, the charity shoot is being, um, supported by my club. The trap guys are on board. They're going to run trap for us and donate all the clay. So we don't have to pay them back for the clay. So that's fantastic. Um, so yeah, so mm-hmm. the registration should open up shortly, I guess they're going to get that paperwork, file it away. And, uh, um we'll notify you guys as soon as registration is open and there's only 20 spots um so yeah you'll have to get on it because it's going to sell out super fast not everyone's getting in sorry to say not everyone's
2: getting in trevor i honestly like the fact that you even asked muffin about it like what muffin's going to say no were you implying that he would say no He's are you he's that he's, kind of guy yeah. he's, he's a sad
1: big a... cranky acadian and sometimes he has a tendency to I say no
2: stuff i've i i know i know muffin and he's he's a, a, a hell of a guy he's a sweetheart of a person maybe to you
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a me problem i don't know
2: fair yeah <laughs> okay Glad we that through. this worked out better than i hoped
1: yeah no i'm acknowledging um certain aspects of my personality I'm not ready to change them. I'm just maybe admitting to their existence.
2: It's it's the first step if you choose to change. Shut up, Brian. What's next? Yeah. Okay, news. <laughs> we got some news. Um, upcoming gun bills scaring the double E hockey sticks out of the liberal caucus, and Trudeau is being mean to his backbenchers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's a he's a big meanie.
2: Well, yeah, there was um. It was actually a New Brunswick uh, MP who was questioning some information on the new gun laws, and apparently Trudeau told him to basically sit shut down up. and shut up. Yeah, nice, eh? Yeah, so that's that's not cool. Um, it, it re- anyway, I'm not going to get into a political discussion.
0: It's he, yeah, he's there. He's he's but the problem the, we have to deal with. The risk to us is that. Because, like, yeah. if, they, if if they had just said, okay, here's our new platform or here's a new bill, it probably would have been like, well, okay. But the fact that they're saying, okay, we talked about the bill and, and the rural MPs really don't like it and they're really uh, risk averse to it. I thought it was just going to be like, where were we supposed to get here? Uh, that, enhanced background checks. Uh, yeah. A return to the paper or ATTs or some other garbage. And that was it, right? Mm-hmm. Do we know
1: anyone who. Has had like, is there any leaks do
0: is any. That was a leak that like they're not supposed to talk about what they do in, in those closed door sessions. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But but you're right. We don't have a leak as to what the text of the document no. has.
0: That, in oh, a, that's um, interesting.
2: If
1: if the rule MPs are worried, it's bad. Yeah, You know, um, because the rural MPs don't represent the three gun shooters and the IPSC guys, the rural MPs represent the duck hunters. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So my biggest fear is that they're going to go after all semi-autos. They're going to do something Australian like. Try it before. Yeah. And if they, and it's, it's the, the FUDs and the duck hunters who probably, you know, they, they don't care if they come after my Air 15 but my God, they get, uh, they get organized when their duck gun is, is threatened. Yeah. When
0: they're uh, super black Eagle or, uh, I don't know. Whatever, <laughs> uh, yeah. Browning B.A.R. starts yep. to uh, starts yeah, get a right. risk. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, okay. If, if we have our uh, hunting brothers and sisters on our side, then that's good. We, we need to, we need to do that. Yeah. If they were always on our side, maybe we would never come this close. I I understand. Yeah. I I really I really do, and I I would it love to have are. more support no, no. from the full gun community. But yeah, we are so fractured. There's one thing the
1: anti's can agree on is they just want all the guns.
2: That's what's very clear. Well, um, what what's Heidi Rathjen's, uh organization called this week? Uh, the the ecole Polytechnic Group. Um, oh, and yeah. basically they were they were talking about the. Or she was talking about the uh, the guns and gangs summit last week. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And she was like, "Well, they didn't talk about taking guns from legal gun owners, so yeah. this is a waste of time." Yeah, exactly. Uh, she, hello. That's exactly what she said. It's yeah. complete garbage. She has no interest in stopping crime. She just wants oh. to stop yeah. you and me and people like yeah. us from owning firearms. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate her honesty, but I'm sure it was a slip of the thumb on on her Twitter account. Nah. Yeah. Anyway, Too much honesty. Yeah, that's never a good policy. If you're all about banning stuff, you want to be quiet yeah. about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we have we have no timeline on this. It's weeks, which weeks yeah, it could mean. be any time. Weeks. weeks could be like next week. It could be like 50 weeks from now. So who knows what uh, timeline that is? But. uh, the, uh, the rumor mill on CGN is, uh, is on fire. Oh, well. Oh, you went... Oh, well, don't do that. Just, I
2: stay away from that <laughs> it's, stuff. It's so morbid curiosity. Oh, no. It just makes me feel bad. Okay. Other great news. Um, Bartons had brought in the hex mags last mm-hmm. fall. So these were full body, full 30 length, 30 round length body, 10 round pistol mags. They were good to go. Uh-oh. Nope. The RCMP did their standard and said, no, we've reconsidered this. And these are actually prohibited devices. Nobody can have them.
0: Very, very yeah. bad. So, Unfortunately, they didn't say why they considered them prohibited. It would have been nice for them to say, like, we consider it prohibited because, and then, like, given us something. But just them being prohibited, it's like, what is it? The markings weren't clear enough. The body, the pinning. Like, there's there's too many ifs and buts on, uh, on what it could have been with this. Yeah. Um, Well, my understanding was that,
1: uh, and I've gone around with a few people on this, is that somewhere it's written or they have declared that no pistol mag will ever be made in a full-size body. Well, the ATRS ones were uh, a larger body. Yeah, they were a 20-round. Yeah. Um, How about a 17-round Glock mag pinned to 10? What's the difference? So that logic can't apply.
2: Mm-hmm. No. we see examples well, in of a, all over the place okay but in a pistol mag you can't actually fit a shorter mag in the gun like you can't physically slide it up into the gun right
0: well i guess uh, you could do like the you make mag. a 10 rounder a strict 10 rounder right yeah they just had a really deep base plate on them or yeah. well uh, oh. that hex mag has a really deep base plate on it it has a the a big stack uh, stacking uh block follower that goes into it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the follower has a big leg on it that hits the base pad, or the base pad has a big leg that hits the follower halfway up the body. Yeah. I, anyway, I've never really looked at it. Because, because of what they wrote on it, Matthew and I talked about this like months ago on the show when they first hit the market before anyone was even considering talking about the RCMP banning them. Matthew and I said, Wait a second, this is pistol caliber carbine. A pistol, pistol caliber carbine. carbine is a rifle that shoots a pistol caliber.
0: No, they so say... Uh, they say pistol caliber carbine. 10-round pistol carbine magazine. There you go, not caliber. It says pistol two, two, three, carbine. on it. It yeah. says 223-556. Two, two, five, five, but a carbine is a rifle, Adriel, right? So
1: is it a yeah. pistol mag or a carbine mag? They they, they screwed it up and they put the word
0: carbine on there. Carbine. Well, I mean, I, did, I, I, I agree. The, uh, the, yeah. the one that they should have put on there is just Lar fifteen mag, yeah. <laughs> because the Lar fifteen is a piss is a AR right, fifteen pistol that's been brought in, and everyone else puts Lar fifteen no. on their on their magazines.
1: Do they? I thought yeah. that was so. That's not trademark like Beowulf, because only only no. Alexander Arms can use the word Beowulf. Everybody else has to call it a fifty caliber
0: AR mag. Yeah, yeah. So no. Lar um, is good to go. Yes, Lar fifteen <laughs> is is yeah. what everyone calls theirs i don't know if they license me or not can i take a grinder to my hex mag and put lar on it it hasn't been manufactured for a lar you're not a manufacturer you're just a dude (sighs) i hate being just a dude even
2: if you take the 400 grit paper with the oil and to sand it off it's not okay
0: yeah fine yeah so the two options that they're giving people are you can send your mags back to barton's or you can uh put a pin in there and keep them to five. They were selling these for pretty cheap. If you got the six pack, you're getting mags for 16 bucks a pop. So yeah. 16 bucks a mag is pretty cheap for five rounders. Um, yep. I stuck a pin in mine. I stuck a
1: pin in all my Beowulfs too. Hmm. They haven't said anything more about Beowulfs though. No, but he's just yeah paranoid. Yeah. I'm just not going to be, um, I'm not going to be the test subject. Fair enough. I mean, I was never going to take them in the woods anyway. I was only using them for three gun. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I even know of a range around here who had concerns about the legitimacy of them and would not allow them on their range during three-gun competitions. Hmm. So, anyway, I'll stick with the Lars and the uh, ATS. Actually, I'll start, I'm going to start hoarding ATSs then because
0: they come in and out of pouches so much easier. The ATRS mags? If you yeah, can find they them, them. They don't, they don't oh. make them anymore, right?
1: Really? When did they stop that?
0: Uh, a year ago. They Why? With their plastic or their um, uh, manufacturing guys, so they stopped making them. Lame. I only ended up with two. Hmm. All right. Standardizing something else.
2: We are way behind we have a guest waiting. All right. Yes. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll skip the CCFR report on guns and gangs. Go to the CCFR website and see what they have to say
0: about the Guns and Gangs Summit. Basically they talk mostly about gangs. It was awesome. It was exactly yeah. what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you wanna stop the crime with the gangs, you stop the gangs and not like legal gun owners. Wow, really? That's yeah. novel. Amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. Bizarre. It's not
2: normal. All right, cool. New gun stuff. Who wants to take the first one? Let's well, not uh, even gone. well it's out of stock. It's out of stock, so let's get ready. Okay, good. Sorry. Yeah. There was a good deal on five five six. It's gone. You can't have yes. it anymore.
1: So this, the next one is from Freedom Ordinance. It's called the FX9. It's a 9mm carbine. It looks absolutely amazing. Um, it is the coolest PPC, not PPC, uh, piece, what is it? Pistol carbine. PCC. PPC. PCC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the coolest PCC rifles I've seen since PCC is being adopted in USPSA and I think IDPA? Yeah. Yes, so no? division yeah. Yeah, yeah. As well. yeah. So, um, you know, of course, manufacturers are going to step up and build purpose-built rifles for this kind of thing. So this sucker's trim, and of course, it looks like an AR, right? Has all the lines of an AR, but just sleek and trim. It's got a nice big uh, thirty-three round Glock stick mag sticking out the mag well. Um, the only problem is, I think this sucker's only going to be. Do we know if they're going to make a non-restricted version of it? Because right I now thought it was supposed
0: to be non-restricted. Oh, okay. Because yeah. well, they,
1: yeah,
2: I don't know. They were. F- I, I went on the. I made the mistake of looking on CGN and yeah. there was lots of debate about it, but there was nothing confirmed one way or the other. So, well, is it even in here yet? Is it coming to Canada?
0: It's Canadian mad made.
1: Oh, well, if it's Canadian made, of course they're going to make it non restricted. Yeah. Why oh, wouldn't they? That'd be ridiculous.
0: Eh. Eh. eh.
1: People have done
0: That's stuff ridiculous.
1: that I think is done before. That's anyway. true, Brian. <laughs> Freedom Ordinance, they're Canadian.
0: I could have sworn this one was was no, a Canadian. Canadian no, no. It's it's a, I, one. There was another PCC that's being made in Canada for the Canadian market. Okay, uh, but not but, this one. but not this one. Mm. Okay. Mm. Adriel, do you want to talk about this break?
2: That's um, not a matter on arms break. So I don't know why we're talking about
0: it. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> Just like we uh, only talk about X metal products. Yeah. Uh, Except when you're not on. <laughs> yeah. We talk about everything else. <laughs> we should. Should. Oh, we talk about everything. Uh, we talk about all the all the everyone's stuff. Uh Spectre Ballistics has a break that you can put a shroud on. I yep. think so. Yeah, yep. it's 30 cal break
2: only, so uh, patui. Yep. Um, I threw this one in, uh, just simple stuff. They are making uh, birch, cork, or oak drink coasters for shooting enthusiasts so they have bullseye designs ipsic target designs and my favorite figure 12 designs so i've ordered a set of that i'm gonna class up my are office you kidding with some me of, oh yeah
1: i no no. i have a friend a listener of the show um ipsic shooter for nova scotia who's giving me some of the ipsic ones on the weekend and oh man he's making these and now these guys are making these seems That'd like the something may have beat him to the
0: punch like Uh, uh, ever since you mentioned that uh, bolt action pen and you sent one to me, I've seen those uh, in a bunch of places as well. Oh yeah, they're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, it might be the same guy, Trevor. I I don't know. No, 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 no. it's not. It's not. All right. All right. Cool.
1: I don't think it'd be awesome. It was, but he was just kind of testing the waters, asking me what do you think they would sell for that sort of thing? It's Fusilier actually, I think.
2: Yeah. Same guy. It's all being done by the same guy. This is Fusilier? Yeah. 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 Oh. Oh yep. well, all right then. Good for so you. I didn't 20, think he was ready to
1: rock out this fast.
2: It's twenty bucks for a set of four, plus like seven and a half bucks for Canada Post. Hmm. Amazing! If yeah, I and they look
1: fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So. Especially with little Scotch glasses on them.
2: Well. In my, at my office, probably I won't have the Scotch glass. However,
1: probably depends on what day of the week it is.
2: I really have resisted having a bottle in my desk for this long. I'm going to keep going with it. <laughs> I, have
1: I like to that good life goal. I like that meme where Jack Daniels is a bottle of Jack Daniels is peeking out from behind the monitor and says, "Not now, Jack. I'm trying to work." <laughs> okay, I saw that. And immediately sent it to Tracy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah
0: absolutely. Uh, oh the right. uh pcc i was thinking of was the lockhart tactical uh canadian pcc oh they're, yeah they're, they're developing one something nice sub with that but all right
2: cool um what's our timeline guys for getting to our guest uh we were supposed to
1: get to him at seven thirty. oh oh so so he's waiting so, so why don't to, we hang up on the show here and then go Joining us now for this week's main topic is Dave Young from CAPS. Uncle Dave, welcome back to Slamfire Radio.
3: Hi, guys. Nice to be here.
1: Um, Dave, could you maybe um, recap for the listeners who um, maybe forget or haven't heard of you? You were on a couple of months, well, quite a few months ago now, but uh, maybe tell us a little bit about who Dave Young is and and what CAPS is all about.
3: Sure. I've been shooting basically all my life, uh, hunting and target shooting with my dad uh, started off with an air pistol when i was really young and uh, moved up uh, through hunting and then got into handgunning uh became a director of a gun club out in uh, in montreal at the lackadier gun club and uh got seriously into handgun shooting started to take courses uh, in the states uh at, at places like uh, masada yube's lethal force institute and met a lot of uh, good instructors from that time period some of the older guys at the uh, are no longer with us like Ray Chapman from the Chapman Academy and uh, found that there, wasn't, there weren't too many people who knew anything about defensive shooting. And about that same time, there was a school in Montreal that bought the a, a first simulator that was available in Canada for judgment training. And they hired me to teach with it. And from there I got into judgment training and then went on to opening various ranges and designing my own simulator system and get, got really into the uh, when, as opposed to the how in the shooting, uh, on a business end of things, training police, etc., uh, et cetera, and got into the sports shooting end in IPSC and ended up being vice president of the Quebec shooting Federation and section coordinator for IPSC in Quebec here for a few years as well. And that as all the, all the training from that and uh, the experience got me involved in the movie business, teaching people, uh, using uh, prohibited weapons, uh, in order to qualify them at the time to be able to be on permit business permits to work in the movie industry. So I ended up working in the movie industry and got about 45 different credits on TV shows and that wrote the norms for use of firearms in the province of Quebec on movie sets and, uh, built my own simulators and started teaching uh, my own courses with the simulators and from there started selling them and we've got them all around the world. Now, uh, In 91, I uh, wrote a book called Reasonable and Necessary, Defense of Firearms Ownership and Use in Canada, with a second edition in 94. And I've been pretty quiet ever since with the writing and the things, but I'm in the process now of writing a new book uh, because it's well past uh, due uh, that there'd be something else out there. What bothers me is there's not been anything else Canadian that has come out since 1994. So I'm sort of trying to fill that gap. And uh, that's where we're at right now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely time for an updated um, product to be on the market um, since we have 90, since '94. Uh, I graduated in '94, so that's how long ago that was. Um, so that kind of dates us both a little bit there. Um, it's also, we tried to. It's
3: also, it's also very scary looking at the the old book at just how much we've lost in rights and privileges with firearms since then. That the last one was written just as the prohibited handgun class was coming in. And we were losing our open air ranges. And you, know, you couldn't shoot if you could see open sky with handgun ranges, that kind of nonsense.
1: Mm. Yeah, and that is still applicable only in some provinces, thankfully, not all of them. Right. Um Yeah, you definitely you lost all your open air in uh, Quebec, didn't you?
3: Yep, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So weird when I go to those ranges, it looks so different and it looks expensive. <laughs> it's really cost yeah, prohibitive man. to open a range there. Um, yeah. Well, that's why you're on, Dave. We tried to have you um, come to New Brunswick and teach a class uh, a last year, or maybe the year before. And and the reason why we wanted you to come is, and I've referred to you as this, and so of other people as. Canada's Masada Yub. So, if you know what Masada Yub is to the firearms industry in the United States, he teaches not only how to shoot, but when to shoot. And you are the man in Canada to teach someone when to shoot. Anyone can teach someone how to shoot, but what Canadians need to understand is what their rights are, when they should and shouldn't shoot. And um, that's that's where you come in. You're you are you are Canada's go-to on the topic. So, unfortunately. Canadians um, still just want to learn to shoot. I mean, that that's what I learned when we tried to have you come to New Brunswick. We had, I think the first person sign up for the class was flying in from Alberta, right? That's how committed this guy was. Um, but we couldn't get other people to sign up. They wanted to know, am I going to learn to shoot my gun? There's mm-hmm. lots of people that can teach you that. This is way more than that. This is way more important than that. But unfortunately, they didn't go, to it. go for it. So hopefully, uh, maybe at least they'll they'll get the books. Now is the first book, Dave, that came out in 94, is that still in print? Can that be picked up on like Amazon or is that, uh, you no, know, nothing,
3: nothing at all. No, there's, no, it's been out of print for years and years. It was basically sold by the national firearms association at the time and through the Quebec shooting federation for the French version of it, uh, with proceeds going to fighting for our rights. Uh, but, uh, no, I'm going to pro I'm not even sure yet how we're going to distribute it. I know that we're going to be having it available, through all of the different orgs uh, so that they can uh, raise funds for themselves. And I'm debating whether or not it's going to be uh, available directly from me or through some other source.
1: Right. Well, with the um, the original book from 94, you wouldn't happen to have a dusty box sitting in the basement with copies in it, would you?
3: No, but I can send you a nice fresh electronic PDF of it if you'd like.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking I would love that for myself, but I was thinking it would be kind of cool if we could, uh, uh, give one to a listener through some kind of contest or something, but anyway, I digress. Um, so tell us about the new book. What, what's, what's going to be in it. And, um, yeah. What, what, what can you tell us about it?
3: Well, it's basically, it's called use of force, truth and consequences, a guide to self-defense for, uh, for Canadian firearms owners. The The key to this is that there are consequences to doing what you were allowed to do to defend yourself. Um, I I can give you an overview of what the chapters are going to be. We're going to talk about the right to self-defense, the need for it, the uh, myths and lies that need to be corrected, because we still have all kinds of things coming out from people who should know better, uh, telling people to do things that are totally illegal and get them into a lot of problems. Uh, The mindset and awareness for defending yourself, the legalities of use of force, the Firearms Act and self-defense and how they interact, uh innocence and the and the reasonable person uh time and distance in the use of force which is really what i'm all about in the training that i do uh use of force models and then the caps imminent danger triangle uh, which is my take on uh use of force models for decision making Uh, then we get into use of force and firearms training and the importance of it and how it is different from sports training Um, firearms and ammunition and equipment for defensive purposes, a home defense plan, dealing with the police after the use of force, and then we get into uh, three or four different cases. Uh, the case of uh, Basil Parasiris, who was involved in a shooting that was uh, a terrible and that uh, a police officer died when he thought he was a home invader. Uh, then there's the case of Ian Thompson, my friend Ian. And we're gonna also put in the uh, case of uh, Gerald Stanley I'm just waiting to hear what's going to happen with the firearms charges. He's back in court on Monday, and then the future of self-defense. I'm writing this now before gun control laws change <laughs> again, mm. and uh, so that everybody's got at least something as a uh, as a uh, starting point for their decisions in defending themselves. Very good. And that's it. Yeah.
1: Well, that sounds awesome, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to getting my hands on it. Uh, any idea of a release date? Is it too soon to say?
3: Uh, I'm hoping to get the, the thing out by June, but that's me finished writing. Whether or not it's going to be printed and ready to go by then, I'm not sure. Right, okay. All right. Again, so, if, if our friends in Ottawa decide to come out with something in the next few weeks that changes everything completely, that would also put it off.
1: And you want to touch on that for a second? Have you heard anything through the grapevine, through any of the contacts you have? Is it anything you'd like to speculate on, or do you have some,
3: you know, a little birdie told you something? Yeah, I was listening listening to what you were saying earlier, and I'm afraid that uh, things with magazines that are are self-loading are going to be a problem. Whether or not handguns get touched or not, I don't know. But uh, that may be just speculation on my part. But if I was them following what they've done in the past as a party, uh, I would see that as something they would try to do.
1: Right. Very good. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed. And uh, if, if you're listening, if you're not part of a pro-gun org uh, and you're waiting for a reason, now may be the time. Get on, get involved before it's too late so we have the numbers on our side. Um So, Dave, the reason we asked you on was because, and it's a little overdue, but uh, Gerald Stanley is back in court, as you said, on Monday. So let's start with that case. There's two cases in particular I'd like you to comment on, and there's the Gerald Stanley case and the Edward uh, Morris case. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gerald, uh, the Crown is not going to appeal the Gerald Stanley case, correct?
3: Yes, that's correct.
1: But they have decided to charge him with some unsafe storage?
3: Yeah, no, he was charged with those uh, uh, quite early on, actually. Okay. Uh, and what What's interesting to note is I think there was something like 11 guns that were taken uh, when they were seized, and the, uh, the guns that were uh, of interest to them are not the one that was actually fired. In other words, there's no charge pending for the gun that was actually fired that was responsible for the killing.
1: Interesting. Okay, well, how about this? Why don't we, let's let's take a step back. Can you bring us through the circumstances surrounding the Gerald Stanley case? Who, what, when, where, take it away. What happened?
3: Okay, well, basically uh, a car pulled into the yard of, of Mr. Stanley's uh, home while he and his son were outside working in the, in the yard or working on a fence nearby.
1: This was uh, what time this, of day, Dave?
3: Uh, this was in the afternoon, I believe, just around supper time. Okay, And uh, the, uh, the uh, wife of Mr. Stanley was on a ride-on mower near the house. Um, the a vehicle that came in had a flat tire in the front, was right on the rib, and drove past the house to one of the buildings in the yard. And uh, they heard it coming because it had a problem with its muffler. So the uh, son, Sheldon, and his dad, Gerald, uh, ran over to see what the heck was going on. And at that time, one of the occupants of the vehicle was trying to start and steal one of their ATVs. So they yelled and uh, they jumped back into their vehicle to, to run away. And uh, at that point, they, uh, how they were moving with the vehicle brought Sheldon to hit the windshield with a hammer that he had, a framing hammer that was being used while he worked on the fence. And the vehicle, instead of leaving the property, slammed into a uh, one of the uh, Stanley's vehicles right near the house. As the uh, vehicle was going there, uh, Mr. Stanley ran into one of the outbuildings and grabbed the pistol and loaded it with a few rounds, ran back out, and by this time, the vehicle uh, driven with with the multiple occupants had hit the vehicle near the house, and Stanley fired a couple of rounds in the air, pulled the trigger a couple of extra times, and then was afraid that his wife, who he couldn't see, had been run over by this vehicle so went running over to it uh the warning shots had two of the people scatter who had gotten out of the vehicle and um, so stanley ran up to the vehicle with his gun in his hand started to look underneath to see if his wife was there and at that point the uh, truck or the uh, the suv was put in gear or revved and he felt that the, they were going to leave so he jumped up reached into the window of the open window on the driver's side in order to grab the keys and the firearm in his other hand detonated and hit the uh, occupant of the driver's seat behind the left ear. The bullet exited and went out through the side window on the passenger side. And that's what occurred.
1: This is why the defense of it was an accidental shooting, not a self-defense shooting, not a use of force, not a protection of property, uh, he employed the handgun as a means of, of trying to scare them off. He fired some warning shots, but the actual shot that killed the occupant of the vehicle, um, the defense claimed was a hang fire, correct?
3: Exactly, yes. And that's that's what the jury uh, obviously must have believed in order to acquit him.
1: So did, was there any kind of, did you follow the trial, Dave?
3: I sure did, yeah. And uh, I was looking, I was getting as much as I could off of the live feeds from in the courtroom. Uh, as to the charging of the jury and stuff like that it seemed to be very very up and up on how everything went uh and i read
1: i read that they pooled 750 people yes that's now what do those numbers mean to you
3: not a whole lot again i'm not a lawyer
1: uh right but typically is that many people selected for a jury pool 750 seems like a lot of people
3: yeah, but you know what? You need to be able to have people who will be able to be admissible to it, too. There was a lot of of, uh, uh, of uh, discussion about uh, certain groups not being involved. Yeah. Well, there was, a lot, there was a lot of people who were excused just for basic excuses from yeah. the jury pool or the potential jury pool. Others were heard talking about uh, making sure that he was found guilty regardless because nobody gets away with doing that to our people.
1: Yeah. And so
3: they were dismissed out of hand. Uh, so there, there was a lot of that type of stuff, and I'm, I'm sure on both sides as well, but yeah. the, the, system, yeah. the system is set up so that we're trying to give a fair uh, uh, purview of what's happened and, a, and a, a fair judgment of what's going on. So well, I'm sure you've seen that
0: uh, uh, one of the things that they're working on now, kind of part and parcel with that update on, uh, on the new gun legislation coming out, was that they're working on uh, jury selection to make it uh, more fair now.
3: Right. But the, the, the jury is still has to be impartial. And if you mm-hmm. come in saying uh, saying anything at all or overheard saying anything at all, uh, you're going to be dismissed from uh, from the uh, uh, choice of being chosen. For instance, if you say, uh, if there's some kind of a trial going on and your first question in the hallway is, boy, I hope we have the death penalty, that's probably going to go a long way to make sure that you don't get in. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's how you make sure. That's how you make sure you don't serve, if you exactly. don't want to be on. Is is to make sure you're heard saying exactly. things that'll get you thrown off.
3: Exactly. So. Or you know, I I hope the guy is pink. You know, yeah. boy, I'd really like. I'd really like to judge a pink person.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Dave, what about? Um, Firearms experts called to testify. Do we know if the firearm in question was, you know, inspected by gunsmiths who know about the Tokarav? Was samples of the ammunition taken and tested to see if they could replicate a hang fire? Um, You know, did they track down? I mean, it was probably surplus ammunition. So the chances of finding the, the lot number and sourcing a sample from that lot would, of course, pretty much be nearly impossible, which is why um, Masada U-Boys recommends, and I'm sure you do the same, if you're going to carry ammunition for self-defense, make sure you keep the box because the box has a lot number and manufacturers keep samples from every lot.
3: Exactly. Well, there's a lot of things that come into it. So far as the experts were concerned, the, the experts that are called are going to be people who uh, are um, experts recognized by the courts, and those are normally going to be police armors or people who work for the firearms uh, center, uh, their knowledge with a specific gun and 60-year-old ammunition for it are going to be much more limited than they would be with, let's, for instance, say a 9 millimeter Glock that the police departments carry. So
2: yeah.
3: there's going to have, they're going to have a lot more to deal with when they're looking at it uh, with something that's normally seen in this day and age.
1: Uh, I just wonder if the gun was seized and disassembled and found to be full of cosmoline or, you know, um, Yeah,
3: no, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see what the reports were. I do know that the, it was looked at to see if it functioned properly. And it, that in court, it was said that it, it did function, uh, adequately and that everything on it worked properly.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So any, um, takeaways, lessons from this?
3: Absolutely. Uh, your ammunition. If you're gonna if you're gonna ever be in a situation where you're gonna have to use a firearm, make sure that your ammunition and firearm are something that the experts are going to be used to seeing. Uh, Mr. Stanley was very lucky that uh, the hangfire was able to get him uh, found not guilty. Uh, there's very few people out there that are going to be able to testify to a hangfire that lasts more than a couple of seconds. Now, uh, all he really had on his side. Was some Reddit posts that they tried to bring in to say, "Yeah, it happened to my uncle way back when," and that kind of stuff. From what I read, and that's not really convincing so far as a courtroom is concerned. No, now, the only not. real thing, the only real thing that, that that was available, and I'm not even sure if it was presented, was the fact that in the Canadian firearm safety course, they tell you if you have a hang fire, to keep the gun pointed safely for 60 seconds before dealing with it. So if that 60 seconds exists, it's got to exist for a reason. Therefore, they can last a while before they go off.
1: Fair, yeah. That's that was yeah. That would be an excellent resource.
3: But hmm. the other the other issue too, and why I, I say Mr. Stanley was lucky was if you're involved in any kinds of firearms training, you're responsible for the direction of that muzzle at all times.
1: Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. So whether you're looking to, under the car for your wife or not.
3: Exactly. You need to know where it is. Front. Exactly. So that that could have been an issue as well. I think what. How the jury looked at it, if I had to make a a, uh, a prediction of why they said what they said, is that the uh, he had done what he believed to be a reasonable check that the gun was empty. He was wrong, but he felt that he had checked. it. therefore that sort of negated a little bit of the uh, of the the wrongdoing as far as they were concerned.
1: Well, he he yeah. may have he may have noticed that the hammer was down, and that would indicate an empty chamber.
3: Right.
1: Yeah. Right. If if the if the hammer had detonated, uh, or if the hammer had struck the firing pin, which had detonated primer, and it would have cycled right. the action, it would have loaded another round and cocked the hammer. So he's looking yeah. at the gun and seeing the hammers down is probably that would tell me I'm out of ammunition.
3: Yeah, you're right, Trevor. But the other issue that was uh, that occurred with the case was there was a uh, the casing that actually was uh, the the lethal uh, cartridge the casing was found inside the vehicle and it had a bulge in it, which sort of looked like uh, it might've fired out of battery. And Stanley's testimony was when he looked at the gun, it, it was back. The slide was back. So for his interpretation was he had shot it empty, even though it wasn't completely to the rear. Now from there to how it actually went off, who knows, but there was enough, uh, uh, material there for the jury to say, well, Benefit of the doubt goes to him because he did what he thought what he thought was right, and it should have been okay.
1: Hmm. Okay. Any other takeaways from this case before we move on to the next one?
3: Uh, just the storage of firearms. And uh, one yes. of the parts of my book, uh, I'm going to probably come across to a few people as a FUD when it comes to firearm storage. But every time anybody uses a firearm for self-defense, the, uh, the Crown and everyone else are going to be going after you for whatever they can. So, If you've got a firearm that's stored and it's with your other guns, something as crazy as opening your safe, grabbing a gun, and running to take care of what might be a potentially deadly encounter while leaving your safe open has just set you up for a storage charge because those guns were not secured unless you closed that safe when you ran upstairs to handle the deal.
1: Mm.
3: So what I'm I'm saying to everybody is that they should have a separate safe for whatever they choose to have as a uh, firearm, to protect himself should the need arrive, and we hope it never does, and that everything else is what I call in deep storage. Uh, You know, there's a lot of people who will keep loaded magazines and uh, no trigger locks on their guns while they're in a safe. Well, if that safe is wide open when the police first see it, you've got a problem. So my way of, of what I call deep storage and ready storage, to simplify it, if the guns are in a safe, it doesn't matter their classification other than fully automatic weapons, so we leave those to the side but prohibited handguns, restricted or non-restricted, if they're in a safe and they're trigger locked and there's no ammo in the safe and the ammo's locked up next to them in another locker, you basically don't have a problem anymore with those guns. It takes them out of the issue. Mm -hmm. You see? Same thing with with, uh, firearms-related equipment. If you've got a holster that is somewhere else in the house and you've got a box of ammunition that's near that holster... And you've used a gun to defend yourself, you end up in an issue with them saying the gun started from that drawer, just as what happened with Ian Thompson, in his case where he had a gun, uh, where he had to use a gun and then ended up putting it in a drawer, uh, at the uh, after the the altercation, and the police went after him for careless storage, trying to prove that he had the gun in there and not in his safe in the next room where it really was. Mm. So perception is everything. You think? Mm-hmm. So you may not like it, but I tell you what, I would rather have everything take me a little bit longer to get ready to go to the range with my stuff than have to spend sixty, seventy, or $80,000 defending that it was stored properly.
1: I'm really, all of a sudden, um, have a whole new appreciation for my setup because uh, the second I close the door, it locks. Yep. Steel door. So mm-hmm. that being said, I also have other firearms stored by themselves in other places. Right. Yeah.
2: So, mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Very good. All right, so um, let's move on to the case of Edward Maurice. Um, are you familiar with the background on this one?
3: Yeah, there's not very much has come out yet, other than the fact that he uh, found a couple of people in uh, in his yard going through the uh, his vehicles, obviously looking for stuff in the car.
1: And Dave, and, let's uh, jump back for a second. Sorry, Dave. These are two separate provinces, right? Gerald was in Saskatchewan and yeah. Edward was in uh, Alberta?
3: Alberta, that's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what happened with him is that he just came across people who were in his yard uh, early in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, and fired a shot for whatever reason and hit one of them in the arm. And he was charged with aggravated assault, pointing a firearm, careless use of a firearm. The uh, individual who was hit in the arm uh, was charged with trespassing by night, mischief to to property, and theft under $5,000 from a motor vehicle as well as possession of methamphetamines and failure to comply with probation, which means that he uh, has priors. I won't say that he was a frequent flyer, but he had problems. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the response for the RCMP, the response time in that area is an average of 30 to 45 minutes. So what, what comes with this one is uh, the problem that there's no uh, life unless there was an altercation that we don't know about, Uh, where it was a physical altercation that which led to the discharge of a firearm, as in a disarm attempt or something like that, that uh, led the shot to be fired. We'll have to wait and see what that was.
1: Okay. And then um, there's another one that happened just last night, correct?
3: Yeah. Yeah, and what I've heard is there's no charges so far, but we'll have to see if that's going to continue on or not. What's important to understand with all of these things is uh, regardless of what people feel, Uh, Laws aren't feelings. Laws are the rules by which this, if you want to call it a game, I I like to because people understand it when we're talking about rules. But it's the rules by which things are played. And it doesn't matter that you feel that you should be able to do something. You need to be acting in a lawful uh, manner uh, with legal right. And if you don't have a legal right to be doing what you're doing, uh, you're outside the rules. Plain, how, plain I'm compare, how I'm comparing it in, the, in my book is that you might be great at Monopoly, but uh, but the rules of the game that you're playing or Scrabble, uh, you're sort of out of luck.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you you can you can fall back on um, what would any reasonable person, knowing what you knew at the time in your situation, what would they have done? Uh, exactly.
3: But based, based on what the rules in the law are, and mm-hmm. the, the way the, the, the criminal code is written. Section 35, protection of property, even in the new one, you cannot use lethal force to protect property by itself. And this is what people don't seem to understand. Even in the armored car industry, the armed guards are not protecting the money. They are given uh, authorization to carry to protect their lives based on the fact that because of the work they do, their lives are in more danger. They are not using firearms to protect the cargo that they have in the truck nor are they allowed to.
1: Yeah, no, the guns are there to protect themselves if someone wants to hurt them for the money. Exactly. But yeah. the,
3: the, the issue the issue that we have is people don't seem to understand that. They sort of correlate, I worked hard for this stuff, therefore it is part of my life. Well, that's not how it's seen when you get to court. Mm-hmm. So and, property, um, property by itself is never a ground for use of deadly force. Um,
1: can you also comment on, for the listeners, Um, Stand Your Ground and Castle Doctrine. Do we have the right to stand our ground in Canada like they do in the States?
3: Okay. Well, let's start with Castle Doctrine because that's a simple one. Castle Doctrine is pretty well misunderstood uh, in most corners, the United States as well as Canada. What (laughs) Castle Doctrine says is that you do not need to retreat within your own home. That is it. Everything else has to be there. The person has to have the ability, the opportunity, and the intent to put your life in danger or cause your death. And there has to be no reasonable alternative available to you. And what you do has to be reasonable under these circumstances. So we do yeah. have Castle you don't have to. You don't have to retreat in your own home. However, you will be better to have retreated before using force than not doing it. I'll give you an example. If someone is breaking into your home and your, uh, th- your decision is to gather everyone and secure them in a locked room where you may or may not be armed, them breaking down that second door to get to you would be much better seen should you have to shoot them than you being a one-man SWAT team doing a house clearing looking for them.
1: Yeah, no, looking is never a good idea.
3: And the same thing with, the, same thing with the, uh, the Stanley case, should they have just run into the home having a plan to do so, And we're able to do so. I'm not saying that that Mr. Stanley should not have gone to help his wife. That's not at all what I'm saying. But in that same kind of a situation, being able to to retreat to a place where you can dictate what's going to go on by them coming to you, Uh, always the uh, defenders, always at a, a tactical advantage over the attacker, let them come to you in a situation that you can control. And by moving away from them, you're doing as much as possible to avoid the altercation at the same time.
1: Mm. just like if you if you live on the second floor of your home and the main entrance is on the ground floor and you hear your door getting getting kicked in and you know you you tell them you need to leave if called the police don't come up here you'll be met with resistance you really need to stay downstairs right you know give them every opportunity to leave and you warn them uh, so, yep if they still proceed and of course get all this on on the 911 call so there's a yeah. record of it yeah
3: mm-hmm.
2: No, no, Trevor. You said an interesting word, and and that kind of brings us back to the conversation we were having before the uh, before the interview uh, with Dave. Uh, warnings, as in warning shots. Um, something came up in the Stanley case where the judge had instructed the jury that yes, Gerald Stanley had fired warning shots, and he was justified in doing so. Um, the The case of the Happened in Alberta last night, where there hasn't apparently been charges, was a case of warning shots. Um, where did, do we stand in Canada in the legal system with warning shots?
3: Well, they seem to be a lot more popular than uh, they are south of the border, it seems. From the research that I have seen, uh, they uh, are in court cases. We've actually seen judges or other uh, people presenting in court saying that. Well, if you'd fired the warning shot first before shooting him, it would have been uh, better for you, this kind of an idea. Um, The problem with the warning shot, though, is from those of us who are purists when it comes to self-defense and what you can and can't do, uh, use of a firearm and pressing a trigger is, in most instances, the use of deadly force. So if you consider that to be the use of deadly force, you need to be in a situation where the person has the ability, opportunity, and intent to uh, cause your death, or you're not firing. And if it's reached that point, then you should be firing at them to stop them, and not turning your attention away from them to find a safe place to discharge your firearm, so as not to injure or put in danger anyone else.
2: Well, yes, and and that's that's my understanding as well. And it's, it's one of the questions I have about the Stanley case, and and I'm not trying to 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 retry the case, but. He fired warning shots, and then he emptied his pistol. So at that point, he must not have felt that there was a threat that he needed to use a firearm for to protect himself or anybody else.
3: Exactly. Well, that's a two-sided item. Uh, He fired his warning shots, and obviously they they had some effects. Two of the individuals ran uh, and left the property, but there was a gun in the front of that vehicle. Mm -hmm. if the driver uh, had access to, uh, sorry, if the firearm had not been damaged as it was at a a previous address and it was fully functional, or if those two individuals outside the vehicle had been armed, uh, what are the chances that having somebody fire shots would have started a gunfight that he was not ready to be able to continue with because all he had was an empty gun. All he wanted to do was scare them off. Hmm. Yeah,
1: exactly. At what point did he did he know that there was a loaded well he didn't know it was loaded but it was, you assume it's loaded of course so anyway there was a loaded 22 rifle in the um, suspect's SUV uh, at what point did that become aware to Stanley
3: it was after everything was over when the uh, two of the, uh, the females who were in the back got out of the vehicle they uh, pulled out the the body from the front of the vehicle and it fell out between his legs as they pulled him out so it was wow. after the fact he, he never saw, he never saw a firearm until that point.
1: Okay. So they were driving around with a loaded rifle. Mm-hmm. Wonderful.
3: Well, what was left of a uh, loaded rifle, there was no stock connected to it at all. The stock oh, was found right. at, a, at another property up the road where they tra- tried to use it to break a window and steal another vehicle. And uh, that's where the stock remained.
1: But okay.
3: There were, five, there were multiple rounds in the magazine and one chambered round. The barrel was also bent at, at trying to break the window it was still functional as far as going off is concerned, and it was still in the vehicle.
1: Jeez. Okay. Um, all right, that's great, um, Adriel. Brian, do you have anything else for Dave before we wrap up and, and cut him loose?
0: No, it's just good uh, to hear the perspective from someone who's uh, you know been following the details really closely and uh, and really understands this case.
3: One thing, one thing, guys, that I, I'd like to bring up, just so that everybody understands. Uh, warning shots and the difference between warning shots and self-defense. There was uh, a case that happened a while ago, uh, the Brian Knight case. This is from to- 2012 where he saw somebody stealing an ATV and uh, from his farmhouse grabbed his shotgun with birdshot in it and took off after the thief with his vehicle, ended up having a, an accident with the ATV, throwing the driver of the ATV into the ditch, uh, and the uh, thief got up to run away. And Mr. Knight fired two warning shots, both of which struck the person running away. So he was found uh, uh, guilty uh, of injuring this fellow and was sentenced to 90 days in jail to be served on weekends. And that sentence was ultimately uh, put off and uh, given uh, community service as well. But the issue with all of this is he's now lost his rights to the firearms and He uh, was given 90 days. The thief only received 30. Wow. And for pleading guilty to a a count of uh, uh, theft under $5,000. So what people need to understand is, what is the value of it that you were trying to protect? Uh, If you're trying to protect property, and it's going to cost you more than its value to get yourself out of the hot water that trigger press just put you into, was it really worth it? We have another case that's similar to that that's coming up. The... uh, Peter Cahill, uh, Cahill uh, trial, which is coming in June, and this is a young man who went out in similar circumstances. Someone was trying to steal his pickup truck, and he shot and killed him. Now, we don't know the details, if there was a struggle over the firearm or whatever, but we're back to that same situation was, was the value of that pickup truck worth taking someone's life and losing your life or your livelihood over it? So now if we take those two and compare them to another case where we had... Uh, This one's from 2014. We had uh, a guy by the name of Daryl Ring who, uh, uh, no, sorry, that's the wrong one. I wanted to give you, uh, yeah, Eugene Dalton, I'm sorry. Eugene Dalton, uh, somebody was trying to steal his ATV. He ran out, and as he came outside, the person on the ATV ran the ATV towards him to try to run him over. So he fired a shot over his head to warn him off. Which worked. The guy jumped off the ATV and ran into the woods, but he was called the next morning by the RCMP to say, "Hey, you shot someone." And he was found not guilty because at the time he fired, he was firing to defend himself. His life was in danger. Mm-hmm. That's just a, it, it's a, a simple difference between them. Life he still got
1: yeah. He still got incredibly lucky because there's a lawyer attached to every bullet. And he fired Absolutely. a warning shot. He fired a warning shot to to try and protect himself and instead shot someone else. He actually would have been better off shooting the driver of the ATV.
3: Well, no, that's who he hit. He hit oh, the, he did hit the, the guy. Yeah, oh, okay.
1: Oh, good. Okay.
3: In the upper arm, yes. But because I thought
1: he wounded an innocent bystander.
3: No, I'm sorry if I wasn't clear. No, no.
0: He, okay. Uh, yeah.
3: he, hit, he did hit the driver or the thief, basically. And uh, because of that, he was acquitted because of the the fear for his own safety.
1: Yeah, he's about mm-hmm. to be run down. It's a different than exactly. if he's coming at you, that's one thing. If he's driving away from you, uh, holster the gun and call 911. Right. Yeah. And and you can't shoot someone for what they did do. You can only shoot them for what they may be about to do if it involves protecting yourself or someone else. Okay. Like you can't shoot them after they've done it. That makes you judge, jury and executioner.
3: Right. And that's what they call vigilantism, which is not self-defense. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. And, and at the same time, I really do feel for people who live in rural areas who feel helpless because they can't get police protection. They can't. They're they're kind of off in the wilderness, in the frontier, so to speak, um, a long way away from police assistance, and people are coming onto their property and taking their stuff. I. I, I get the extreme frustration that would drive me mental. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, yeah. I, I agree with you. The problem though, is that the, the amount of time of police response is irrelevant where regardless of where you are, if it's 30 minutes or if it's 30 seconds, 30 seconds can be too long as well. In since Catharines, Ontario a few years yep. ago, uh, the, the police put up a video of two guys kicking in a front door uh, of a house from the time of the first kick, until the door uh, broke in and they shot the father of the family inside the house was 20 seconds.
2: Yeah, yeah, this is you true. Can have,
3: you can have whatever response that you want, uh, unless you're ready to handle a situation where your life may be in danger immediately. Uh, you're basically saying, okay, whatever comes, I've had a good life.
2: Mm. That's true. Yeah, very, very true. That's uh there's we, there's we a popular
3: about, we talk about reaction times and how fast somebody can run across 21 feet when they're armed with an edge weapon. It's one and a half seconds. A police yeah. officer is sitting outside your front door when he gets the 911 call from you because someone's in your bedroom mm-hmm. with a knife can't get out of the car in one and a half seconds.
2: No, no, that's right. Well, and that's why there's a popular phrase in the states: um, "I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop."
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So
1: outstanding okay any other final uh, thoughts or topics you want to touch on Dave
3: no it's just again the warning that uh, property is not a deadly force situation ever uh, if a life isn't in danger there's no use of deadly force that's the, the real key
1: yep that's Canada that's just the way it is yep
3: well it's, it's the same way Very in good. most places in the United States as well it's not just here but uh, mm-hmm. here for sure
1: yeah mm-hmm. Absolutely. excellent all right Okay, well, thanks again, Dave, and before we let you go, could you let the listeners know how they can find you, where they can find information about CAPS, maybe let us know your website, et cetera?
3: Sure. Uh, The website for the training is CAPS, C-A-P-S, hyphen, training, dot com.
1: Any upcoming... Sorry, Dave, go ahead.
3: Yeah, uh, you can join the mailing list there, and we'll give you uh, updates when the book comes out, and courses, et cetera. We're going to try running courses again after the book comes out. Hopefully the the book will generate an interest enough that we can start a cross-Canada tour again.
2: Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, excellent. That would be good. And I'm looking forward to getting a copy of the book as well. Mm.
3: Well, I'm looking forward to being able to give it to you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, all right, we're going to let you go so you can go back to writing.
3: All right. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Take care.
3: Right. Bye-bye.
2: Okay, and we're back. Uh, and we want to quickly thank Dave Young again for taking time to talk to us tonight. Uh, that was a really excellent interview. I learned a little bit. Um, I've got a question. Um, if you fire a warning shot and you hit the perpetrator, does that count as a miss? Because <laughs> we seem <laughs> to have a few discussions about that tonight. Right. <laughs> how, do you, how do you fire warning shots and hit? I, I don't get it. Anyway. You all right. actually...
1: You actually managed in 15 seconds to undo a half hour's worth of awesome. Well done. It's that's my role.
2: Well it's, done. It's yeah, I, I'm here for something. Yeah, that's that's my role. You sure, something. I ruin stuff.
1: You you sure do. You're a ruiner.
2: <laughs> I've learned, Trevor. I have learned. I've studied your your technique for years
1: now. And I think wow. I think you. I think the student has become the master.
2: Possible. Okay, let's get into feedback. Uh, I'll take the first one Ooh. from Ginger Snaps. Little snaps are called River, Mila, and Sadie. Noted. Awesome. Who wants to take Chuck? Trevor, you should take Chuck.
1: All right. Chuck says, hi, all. Figured I'd get around to writing now that I've just wrapped up my first apple seed. This is largely due to learning about the program from your show. So, many thanks. It was a great two days in Quarryville, PA. Which one's PA? Pennsylvania. I thought so, but I wasn't sure. And my first time shooting with a sling Sadly, my best AQT Was 188 The first run of day two And it only went downhill From there Oh Chuck, it's supposed to go uphill, buddy You're doing it wrong
2: Chuck, you didn't rage quit, so it could have been worse
1: Easy Easy (laughs) What's worse, to rage quit and not Keep going down the hill Or to stay and go down the hill
2: uh, Rage quitting is always the worst option
1: Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the plus side is I've got a second reason to attend another course and have an interest in getting involved once I do get the Rifleman patch. Uh, got Got some practice to do. Got some practicing to do. Aside from that, I enjoyed the Precision Rimfire episode and have enjoyed the show overall. Even though you've brainwashed Matthew to join. Banished. You've banished. banished. Yeah. Even though you've banished Matthew to join Owen in the IMA category. MIA. Uh, Thanks. Missing in action.
2: Yeah. Missing in action. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What did I say? MAI? I I I don't know
2: what you said, but it wasn't. You said MIA?
1: No. I'm sure I said MIA. We'll, We'll go back and we'll listen.
2: Yeah. Listen, I know what where I, I, I can see Matthew from here. He doesn't struggle against the ropes as much as he used to, so it's, it's all good.
1: <laughs> and I guarantee he's not gone to the larping side. So no. just busy with the babies and stuff. He had to go and make a baby, so it'll take a, it'll take up a man's time. Um, thanks for the great show. Keep up the good work, Chuck in Pennsylvania. Cool. Awesome. So we have the Maple Seed Queen on our show and he learned about apple seed from us. I think we're doing it wrong.
0: <laughs> that's it's
1: possible. Possible. Now we've, we've talked apple seed forever before we got the whole maple seed
2: thing on the show. Well, that's because apple seed came first. <laughs> yes, it certainly maple did. Maple seed came from people going to apple seed.
1: Yep. Oh yeah. No, no, no. They, they had a good idea. So we stole it. It's the
2: Canadian way. And you know what the best part I was on that first trip and I didn't get involved in Maple Seed. I didn't do 25 events, 25 events last year, and pull my hair out and do all that stuff. I'm winning.
1: Yeah, you absolutely are. And I, I started down the instructor road and uh, decided to pull over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pulling the car over, and it's gonna stay pulled over for a while. I ain't got time for that.
0: Well, you now, get a really good tan.
2: Yeah,
1: I guess. But <laughs> uh, no, there's no time for
0: that. No, no. So, okay.
2: Adriel, do you want to take the last one?
0: You bet. From Ginger Snaps. Uh, Oh, man. I'm going to read it as it's written. Please do. (laughs) Rows and cons of arming teachers in the classroom. Uh, I believe most teachers are underqualified and inadequately trained with firearms. A good start would be Rick Wood's course? Or gun control, because we all know that works. Trevor Ring a teacher and is a (laughs) well-trained firearm enthusiast, but he can't run uphill without blowing a hamstring or run with a gun in his holster ah oh, you son of a <laughs> sore richard unit you can't even beat it keep your richard in a vice james b
2: okay trevor in your defense inside the schools you have been in are there many moderate inclines <laughs> like have, what are the chances of you we have elevators out?
0: yes have you and, ever okay, ad in rents. a class <laughs> I have n-
1: I have not. I love the video where the cop does. All right, let's get serious about this for a second because I uh, I got a go-button moment here. I'm getting really tired of seeing people talking about arming teachers. Um, obviously, the context here is within the United States. We're never going to see armed teachers in Canada. Give your head a shake. So pros and cons of arming teachers in the classroom. There's a more... Um, there's a a bigger question that needs to be asked here before we start discussing the pros and cons of arming teachers. Has it ever occurred to any of you people talking about we should arm teachers that teachers didn't get into the business of education to become armed guards? Okay. Uh, If I could, if I had the right to carry a firearm for self-defense and was allowed to carry it on the job, I would. If I got to school on Monday and my employer required me to carry a gun, I would find another job. Here's the difference. I didn't sign up to become an armed guard in a school. If I'm required to carry by my employer to protect the lives of children, and I am derelict in that duty or don't shoot the bad guy and five kids get shot, I am now also liable for their death. I'm already responsible for them, but now you want me to be armed And take up an armed position and confront a gunman. Um, Like James says here, I believe most teachers are underqualified and inadequately trained with firearms. Absolutely, because they didn't take guns 101 when they went to teacher's college. They took how to teach math and how to teach English. All right. So you're absolutely right, James. Teachers are, you know. Uh, for the most part, I mean, yeah, there are teachers out there like me. There are teachers out there that are more qualified than me and have more skills than I do with a firearm. But they are the exception, not the norm. So I'm just really frustrated with all these people talking about arming teachers. Given the choice, I think you'll find most teachers would say, "Yeah, no, thank, right? I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up to carry a gun. And mm-hmm. if I have, if I ha- if I'm required to carry a gun, then I'm going to go in a line of work that." requires me to carry a gun like law enforcement or security uh teachers signed up to teach if some would carry a gun if it was their choice but if they're required to carry a gun and the liability that goes along with that i see i think you would see a lot of them jump mm-hmm. ship and then of course there are some that there are police officers that shouldn't be carrying guns for crying out loud can you well imagine teachers who were uh, who are suddenly required to carry a gun Who never practice, don't want to practice, don't want to be carrying a gun, but can't go get a job somewhere else. God, it's a nightmare. Nightmare waiting to happen. We just had some stupid teacher have an AD in the classroom because he was giving a safety. Like, what the hell was this guy doing in his classroom with a loaded firearm? Honest to God. It's not a gun range. It's a classroom. You had children all around you. And what, he injured three of them? This guy should go to jail forever and never see the light of day because he's so friggin' negligent and stupid.
2: Yeah. I okay, Trevor, I mostly agree with you. Like ninety-nine percent. I'm just gonna throw out a few things. Um, I I don't agree with requiring teachers to be armed, but I do agree with people who live in states that allow concealed carry, if they have a concealed carry permit, why should they they should be able to be armed when they're at work. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't see a problem with that. I also don't see a problem with uh, school programs where teachers volunteer to get training, if they choose to volunteer to get yep. training, not a requirement. Yeah, I agree I, with that.
1: too yep. Because then, then it's their choice, and yep. they're doing it because they really want to, and they're going to be invested in it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. When I did my Mag 40 course, there was at least one, maybe two uh, teachers there who were doing the Mag 40 course as part of their training to be an armed, to to be armed while in school.
1: So, yeah, that's the other thing too, Brian. This is. A- already happening there are districts all over the place that are already arming teachers I actually was in a meeting once with a member of my school board and I had already been to MAG 40 and somebody brought some comment up and she said off the cuff I'd sooner arm some of you and I wanted to jump all over that and go really oh my god really (laughs) (laughs) you can arm me but no if my employer required me to carry a gun I probably wouldn't And that's
2: that's you and that's your choice
1: But if I had the right to carry it To protect myself I would and anybody comes in the classroom uh, They're there to kill me As well as them so I'm going to make them Dead before they make me and my Pupils dead Yep. Yeah. yeah.
2: Now you you had mentioned That uh, if you were an Armed teacher or that was part of your job And you didn't fulfill your duties And you didn't kill the killer or the teacher Didn't kill the killer and do all that You'd be liable for that um I don't think that's the case. It's certainly not the case with law enforcement that they're held liable for not shooting the perpetrator.
0: Yeah, they can just um, hang out Ultimately, the school. They don't even have to go in. Well, let's not even get into all that. that.
2: But it ultimately,
0: all yeah, it depends, Brian. I mean
2: Ultimately though, it is the perpetrator who perpetrates the act. It's the shooter who does the the wrong thing. They're the ones who are guilty. We can't really hold somebody accountable for not stopping somebody from doing a bad thing. Yeah. Perhaps. Okay. Cool. All
1: cool. right. We're
2: good on that
0: one. Yep. Trevor, yeah. you uh, you would do it if you had the option. If you were forced to, you wouldn't. You're just a contrarian, I guess.
1: <laughs> no, I just, I didn't sign up to uh, be an armed guard. I signed up to educate.
0: And if I wanted to be armed an armed guard, guard had the option.
1: Well, I did look into becoming a CBSA officer a couple of years ago, but uh, that's a story for another time.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Cool. All right. Um, hey, listeners, if you would like to send the show an email, send it to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Um, and we will have a long winded discussion about your comments, possibly. And if it's funny, we'll definitely read it. iTunes reviews. Uh, looks like we've got nothing new, nothing from the Podbean. Let's get on to shout outs. Trevor.
1: Uh, to the mini snaps, uh, Brooke, Milo, and Sonia. Here's your shout out. Um, thank you for the cute video. And I'm looking forward to, um, we got a little side bet going, the girls and I. They, uh, they want to hear me sing a song on the show. And uh, they told them to put their money where my singing voice is. If they want me to sing on the show, they've got to pay for the privilege. So they've got to donate, I think it's 50 bucks. They have to raise it on their own. And um, once they raise that 50 bucks for the charity... Apparently, I have to sing a song. I think it's from the movie Frozen. I don't know. I've never seen it. But Can anyway. we get some
0: of that money for having to listen to you sing? That seems fair, Adriel. Mm-hmm. I could. I, yeah. I think that's only fair. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Brooke, Milo, and
1: Sonia. Um, yeah, I look forward to that.
2: Interesting. All right, Adriel. Nothing. You no. get no shoutouts. You no. don't love anybody. Okay. No. A uh, quick tape. shout out to Rod Giltaka of the CCRF. Thank you for the kind words. Rod. CCRF? Sure. CCFR. Oops. It I'm actually dyslexic.
0: says RF. <laughs> I know. That's, I the, uh, that's <laughs> the French version. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did it wrong. I feel, I actually feel bad about that one. So Whatever
1: Rod said, he's going to take back. Rod said something nice about you? Yeah, no I'm kidding. Uh, no one says anything nice about you.
2: Yeah, it floored me. I almost ran off the road. Anyway, there you go. Was this okay. during his podcast? It was. Interesting. Yeah, he uh, he actually gave me credit for the podcast or the blame, depending on how you look at it. So for for what for the CCFR radio? For the for the idea, because I I was talking to him uh, at the charity shoot in uh, that uh, Kelly and Kevin ran, and I said, "Yeah, you have these videos are great. There's great inf- information. You should do it as a podcast so that more people can get it."
1: And he eventually did. That's hilarious.
2: Oh, huh. yeah, okay,
1: yeah. Considering Adrian and I started it, but uh, whatever.
2: Well, I, I don't know. I didn't look. <laughs> I didn't say he was right. He said nice things about me. I'm gonna roll with it. I'm not gonna yeah. question the validity of what he said. It's it's Fair. nice. So yeah. anyway, all right. Take patron put it in the win support. category. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm trying to. Uh, Patreon supporters. We now have 78. We have a new Patreoni Anthony at 30.8.
1: Really? Is why that why you, what did you do that? that?
2: How did you put in 0.8 of a cent? How do you do that as a patron?
1: It's obviously $3.08, but I put it in as 308 the caliber. And you know all this. You just like to poke the bear.
2: Okay, go with that. Whatever.
1: Consider the bear probed.
2: All right. Uh, Proped? Yes. Uh, Patreon supporters, you should have received your patches in the mail. If you haven't, send us an email and Adriel will get on that. Um, And if you do want to look into becoming a patron and supporting this fine show, it is at www.patreon.com slash slamfireradio. Okay, we're done. Listeners, please join one or more of our National Firearms Associations such as the CCFR or the CSSA. It's important to support those who support us, especially now with the government up to shenanigans. Uh, get shooting some Ipsic, take a Maple seed Challenge, shoot a three-gun match at a local club, bust some clays, go hunting, as long as it's in season, because otherwise it's not hunting. Uh, blast some long-range targets, shoot some service conditions, shoot some long-range fire because it's good fun. Uh, check us out on GOC, like us on Facebook. Uh, we have a cool number of Facebook likes right now, 1867, all cool. And that's it. Gentlemen, would you like to say good night to the listeners?
0: Good night, good night listeners. listeners. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, Kelly.
2: Oh, yeah. Good night Kelly. yeah, good night, Kelly.
0: So, if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com.
1: Now, go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time
2: to get a gun.